ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Locked On ACC. I'm your host, Candace Cooper, joined by my Monday host, Kenton Gibbs. You can find him at TGIF underscore Kenton. You can find me at Candace D. Cooper. We're so excited to be back in the building after a very fun weekend of football. Let me tell you, ACC got a lot to cover today. But first, it's also the week that the NFL starts off. The NFL season is really here. You got to Follow us at Locked On Podcast Network. Now through September 8th, Locked On's Ultimate Season Preview is taking you through every team in every division with the help of Odyssey's Ross Tucker and Jason LaConfora. Follow the Ultimate Season Preview 2021 feed on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts to tune in beginning August 30th. Ken Gibbs, I hope you had a great weekend. Tell me about it. Yeah, it was a great weekend. I celebrated the uh, 40th anniversary of the chartering of my chapter, Yo to the Good Noops. But uh, other than that, I mean, I had a great weekend, unlike a lot of teams in the ACC that played this weekend. So, you know, all in all, I can't complain. I had a long five-day weekend, took two days of PTO off from work. So, uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a great weekend start to finish. A hundred percent. And listen, we have so much good football to go over. We don't want to waste much time. As I mentioned last week, our all of our co-hosts have their assignments. And so Ken Gibbs starts us off with some of these great Atlantic schools who by far have been some good, some bad, some very much a head scratcher. So let's get right into it. Starting out the weekend, we thought it was going to be a big banger for Clemson and Georgia. That was the one that everyone circled on the calendar. And yet here we are wondering if that was the game. I don't know if you guys tuned in to Notre Dame and Florida State last night that we'll talk about with JJ Jackson tomorrow. But Clemson, Georgia was one of the best game, was one of the mediocre games of the weekend, in my opinion. Clinton, Kenton, can you give me immediate thoughts there? Well, I, I just want to start off by saying we got a lot of you said we got a lot of good football to talk about. <laughs> what football were you watching? I, I don't know if we were watching the same football if we got to talk about the ACC after this opening weekend, but you know, the, the Clemson Georgia game is a prime example of what I tell people about a lot where people think that I like low scoring games as opposed to good football. There's a difference, mm-hmm. right? There's a, even as a defensive lineman, I know there's a difference between good football that happens to be low scoring and just really bad ball. And, and the Georgia Clemson game, it wasn't about, you know, it wasn't about, hey, the offenses are doing everything right. It's just the defense. No, that was two really anemic offenses. Those offenses, I don't know. I don't know of too many upper echelon power five teams that either one of those offenses could have moved the ball against with the way that they were executing. Well, fair enough. Sorry, go ahead. I'm just saying, I was just going to go on to say, even without the sack numbers, Clemson was in uh, well under 50 yards rushing. Well, I want to say well under 40. So, I mean, it, that game was a really, really tough. And then uh, Georgia as well, their running back who who made the caption talk about, I don't play with kids. Guess what, sir? You didn't play enough to get in the end zone. You got 15 carries for 70-something yards, but you didn't, you didn't sniff the end zone. So maybe delete the captions, get back in the lab with your offense. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, that was a, that was a very just – Poor execution on both offensive ends, but kudos to both defenses for showing up in the way that they did. 
No doubt. And speaking of offenses, a lot of talk and conversation had been around DJ Uigalele and JT Daniels, both finishing with maybe mediocre stat lines. DJ having 19 for 37 for 178 yards and JT 22 for 30 for 135 yards. All the hype was built around this next you know set of really quality quarterbacks, people being in the Heisman conversation. But you know, we evaluate them. I certainly say they underdelivered. Now, did they have as many weapons as they would probably have liked? You know, Joseph Nagata, Justin Ross, Braden uh, Galloway, to name a few on the Clemson side. I don't necessarily think that they jumped off the page as well, but DJ just seemed like he wasn't in his element as opposed to what we've all built the hype around. You know, every Heisman candidate performed poorly this weekend, except maybe Desmond Ritter and uh, uh, the gentleman. And the gentleman from Texas. I don't really count Bryce Young because, I mean, you shouldn't be a candidate just for being in the position where they know you're going to put up numbers at a university where it's like y'all are going to be the best team in America. That's not really why. Why? That's literally, I mean, that, sorry that, that Alabama is a. Okay. That doesn't seem fair to me because at the end of the day, I'm looking up and I'm saying, okay, so if this gentleman is the best player in America, the Heisman should go to the best player in America. To me, sure, there have not been nearly enough defensive players to win the Heisman to begin with. Let's let's start there. Sure. But now, if we're saying that the Heisman is, even if we're saying it's strictly offensive, are we now saying that it only goes to the best player on the best team? Because if not, he shouldn't be on there. No other player that ain't threw a pass, ain't caught a ball, ain't ran a single touchdown, ain't scored a single tip rushing touchdown, ain't got a sack. Not a single one was on that list. Everybody else. They had somebody work to work with, and that's why even DJ Ugalele, I'm a little bit big Cinco. I, I don't know if you belong there. I told Andrew. people all offseason, and they thought I was crazy for saying this. His leading receiver, again, this is not this is no shade, no, oh, I I, I dislike uh big Cinco, but the fact of the matter is the gentleman's leading receiver from last year, receptions wise, was Travis Etienne. So what does that say? It doesn't necessarily mean you're doing all dump offs because ETN was the type of guy you could use him all over the field, but you had a certain level of comfort with a guy who was a matchup nightmare. He was flatly a matchup nightmare because if you try to match him up with a corner, what they're going to do is motion him back into the backfield, run the ball. If you try to match him up with a linebacker, perfect. That's what we want. If you try to match him up with a safety, we could go either way about it. What is your safety bad at? We'll expose that. So, I mean, it's it's a, it's a very interesting situation with these Heisman candidates because I'll tell you what, a lot of Heisman hype is looking like Heisman hot air at the moment. I 100% agree. Again, I think DJ started out, we all have high expectations. We've seen, you know, Clemson be such an elite team at this point. We put them with Trevor Lawrence and company. They have always been top of mind, top of conversation. So all the pressure was on DJ. He had an underwhelming performance to start out, but not enough grace was given, in my opinion, to game one. Week one, people still trying to figure it out, realizing that you don't have the same weapons that you once did. But I think there's plenty of time to bounce back. And as I was reading an article um, about Clemson, it says that you know DJ's right back in the lab. He's ready to go to work. So he can only go up from here, right? The bar is pretty much a little low. It's not in hell, but it's close. So I think the only way he can I, go is up. I would say it is. I mean, you mm-hmm. you scored you scored three points the entire game, and you gave the other team their only touchdown in the game in a pick six. All in all, your offense came away at net negative four points. The bar is, is below hell, honestly. <laughs> it's in Dante's ninth circle. The one that's bitter cold, that's that's where the bar is at the moment. 
Sure. Well, we also had some quarterbacks who, on the flip side, did do well in the ACC. Want to give them a second of highlight. Boston College beat Colgate 51-0. to Phil Dracovic got, had thir- 303 yards on the day. Say Flowers looking great and very smooth in his company with 135 yards. I think it was just one of those, of course, you get to play a marshmallow team to start out. You always look great. But to blank someone out of the season is always nice. And there's some other teams that we will talk about and get to that as well. ODU played Wake Forest 40, lost 42 to 10. Wake Forest, you know, in their groove and rhythm again. They dominated with 348 total yards, 184 passing yards, and 164 rushing yards. Still think that they are finding their way. And they also had some great guys. Uh, Jasheen Davis, I believe, ran the ball really well. Sam Hartman doing his thing per usual, 18 for 27. It was it was a good game management <laughs> quarterback situation, but I never thought Sam Hartman and DJ Uigalele would be in the same breath, having the same yards on the same weekend. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, if we're if we're being honest with ourselves here, again, Sam Hartman has a more proven, fleshed out body of work than DJ. Mm-hmm. I, this isn't this isn't something that I'm making up here. It's, now, if you're projecting for talent, sure, you can make the argument that DJ is is gonna be much better. He has the capability to do more things and he'll have better weapons those arguments right. can be made but if we're talking body of work to this point i don't know why you're surprised i don't i mean that's not really yes he put up huge numbers in the two games we played but that was last year against boston college who outside of their linebacking core last year that defense was terrible that defense well, was god awful last year so yeah well i also think that it speaks to how we play people up in the media and we'll certainly talk about some other teams here in a second but as much as we hype around clemson and for dj to deliver and be the second coming of trevor lawrence it kind of makes it even a bit worse storyline when we have to go in on him come monday or you know sunday after their games i i don't think the thing is sometimes we have to be honest with ourselves and admit that we in the media and people as fans, they carry expectations that are grandfathered in that don't make sense. You had Deshaun Watson, one of the all-time great college quarterbacks, all-time great. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's one of the best to do it. You go from him to Trevor Lawrence, lightning struck twice right there. Mm-hmm. You got two generational talents, pretty much, back to back. Okay, well, you also had what's my name, my man's name in here, Kelly. He had, there was a little blip of Kelly in there. And but, Trevor but Lawrence Kelly, came in and saved the day. But if we're talking about what, if we're talking about who and what the fans are, the Clemson fans are going to hang their hat on. Those are two, right? Those are mm-hmm. two. If you're going back to what Taj Boyd was, which is what I think. Big Cinco is a little closer to. I think he's a little closer to Taj Boyd than Deshaun Watson. And here's the thing. When when I say that, certain people are going to get offended. Certain people are going to think I'm cracking a joke. If you look at what Taj Boyd was while he was there, he was a darn good quarterback. He was a darn good quarterback. He wasn't some scrub. He just was not Deshaun or Trevor. And so that is what I mean when I say the expectations are unrealistic because people have these, these recency biases to where they can't even imagine the world where Taj Boy was good. When in reality, he was really good. He was really good, and he had the benefit of being the first. He had the benefit of being the first one to really win there 
So his level of expectation, he could have a bad game and everybody was like, it's all right. It's okay. We still build it. Allow that for DJ. Allow him to have that bad game and accept it's okay. He's not Trevor. He's not Deshaun. Trevor and Deshaun, again, very rare situations. So let this young man be who he is. Let him grow into his own. It's. I know it sucks to see your team go from winning every game in the regular season to losing their first game and only scoring three points. But guess what? It's okay. It's yeah. life. 100% agree. And the best game, I think, coming out of Atlantic, or at least one of them, rather, was NC State starting off the week for us on Thursday, 45-0 against USF. And while, sure, USF is not the team that's going to you know jump off the page or make you jump when you're nervous about playing an opponent, but I think that we saw a little bit of just how good NC State could be right? Total yards, 525. Devin Leary, 17 for 26. Bam Knight, Ricky Persons going, you know, uh, touchdown for touchdown, right? I think everyone was in the conversation on Thursday for the Wolfpack. And then you have a defense who was able to blank, you know, the USF team. And to me, if there was ever a time for NC State to insert itself being atop of the Atlantic, this is the year. Because you have a Clemson who doesn't really know themselves well, right? They're still figuring out this new team. You also have a Florida State who put up a great performance against Notre Dame. But it was like Notre Dame did everything it could to kind of give that game, put keep um, Florida State in it. I think NC State has the opportunity to be the best in the Atlantic and and maybe flat out win the ACC. I'll say this. I have... I've maintained this all year. I've maintained this all offseason, especially after seeing the announcement of Emeka Amezi coming back. If NC State does not get 10 wins this year, then we know what Doran's absolute ceiling is. Mm. We know that if he can't win, to, in the words of Sierra, if that boy don't love you by now, he ain't never, ever, ever going to love you, girl. Well, if we can't get to 10 mm-hmm. with everything that's going on right now, the ACC looking as bad as they did week one, it's a double-edged sword for, for, for the NC states of the world, right? For the Boston colleges of the world, for this reason. If you can get to 10, or let me not say if, this is looking prime for the taking for you to get to 10, right? But on the flip side, if you can only get seven, with the conference looking the way it's looking, mm-hmm. and, and you know a very interesting thing, and this again, this goes for NC State and Boston College, even though they're in different situations because Halfley just got there and, and he's just getting going. But I mean, as far as like this year right now, what I'm what I'm looking at with them, mm-hmm. both those games were blowouts. Everybody said, oh, they're glorified scrimmages. Let me tell you something. Beating the bad teams, whooping the wheels off the bad teams, that's a step in becoming champions. Mm-hmm. That's a step in becoming really good teams because bad programs will play down to the the worst teams that they play. And then they'll play up to certain really good teams. And historically, that's what NC State has done. Yeah. Historically, Boston College has done that to some extent. Mm So whooping the wheels off the teams that you should whoop the wheels off of, that's part of the process. And both of those teams (laughs) did it. Both of those teams looked really good in doing so. Of course, they'll have more difficult games coming up. Uh, uh, NC State is traveling to Mississippi State, who – I don't know what they're about after seeing them against Louisiana Tech. I don't know if the, the first half of them is the real them or if the second half of them with a little assistance 
from the uh, zebras out there is the real them, but who knows? So uh, these both of those teams are are in very peculiar situations in that way. I don't believe that Boston College is quite there yet. Uh, mm-hmm. So I believe that NC State has a chance, but I I don't I don't want us to be uh, of the overreaction crew that the Monday mm-hmm. after the first week we're like oh ding dong the, the witch is dead Clems is gone because they're not they're not I can promise you they are not done they it's it, they're far away from done so you know Dabo said he quit if if players start getting paid I don't know if that's if he was being the man of his word last Saturday and decided to take the day off but. That team's going to come back with a vengeance uh, going forward the rest of the season. Fair enough. Do you know 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Is that really surprising? The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time. You don't stand a chance. Introducing Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name your Stakes, winner takes all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. You are in total control. Stat Hero is DFS the way it was meant to be one on one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on, sign up for free, and right now you can get three times back your first play. They're giving you a 300% match that's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. That's stathero.com slash locked on. On the show today, Kenton Gibbs from Locked On Wolfpack talking to me about weekend's matchup. Labor Day weekend was full of goodness, and another team he covers is Louisville, who has yet to play. They will play Ole Miss tonight at 8 p.m. I believe it's on ABC. Correct me if I'm wrong. But either way, if you have another good game that we'll talk about again next week. But let's get into the coastal side of things, who certainly – I mean, if you don't feel like the Coastal is shaking things up, I just don't even know what to tell you. Let's start with Miami and Alabama, another game that everyone had circled only because it's an SEC versus ACC matchup. Let's kind of see where ACC falls under Alabama. We knew that Alabama was going to whip the wheels off Miami, but we were just praying it wouldn't be too detrimental to De'Ara King's health, right? Really wouldn't expose Manny Diaz maybe too badly, but Devontae Smith of the Philadelphia Eagles, former Alabama standout, called it that Bama was going to beat them by 30. They ended up beating them by 31. So I'd love to know, you know, Ken, if we are, we we knew it was going to happen. But did Miami show you any sort of like, okay, there's life there. Maybe they're not, they're still one of the better teams of the Coastal, if not the best. Here's the thing that, again, I, I don't like overreaction Sundays or overreaction Mondays. I, I want us all to be honest with ourselves about what our teams are and are not. Okay. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, a part of being honest is not just being honest about when you're bad. Part of that's being honest about being as good. Now mm-hmm. people see uh people see Miami lose to uh people see Miami lose to Alabama by 30 and they're all oh wow this that's a really bad team. They're they just can't they can't do nothing with them. Let me read off some scores from the 2020 season for Alabama, shall we? Mm-hmm. Alabama was 13-0, and 0, okay? Texas A&M, who everybody believes is, is one of the better teams in America, 52-24. Ole Miss, 63-48. Good job, Ole Miss, to put some points on the board, I guess. 
Tennessee, 48-17. Mississippi State, 41-0. Kentucky, 63-3. Auburn, 42-13. LSU, 55-17. Arkansas, 52-3. Florida was the closest to beat them all year. They lost by six, and they put up 46 on them, 52-46. Other than that, the two playoff games now, they beat Notre Dame by 17, and they beat Ohio State by 28 in the national championship. Let's put this in perspective. They won the national championship by four touchdowns. Four. The second best team in the nation is four touchdowns worse than them, or was four touchdowns worse than them last year. Miami will be fine. And also, we also can consider the fact that, you know, they looked in championship level form out the gate. They didn't have too many hiccups throughout that game. There wasn't a moment where I was like, ooh, okay, we still got to work. Like, of course, it's not going to be perfect because it didn't blank anybody. But, damn, out of all the schools we looked at this weekend, they were the only team where I was like, damn. I knew coming in, and that's why I said last week, and you criticized me for it. And I'm I'm glad that De'Aaron comes out fine. If I was many, if I was Manny Diaz, I would have put De'Aaron in bubble wrap week one. I would have said, listen, <laughs> we're going to lose this game by four touchdowns either way, with you, without you. We're no. we're gonna get well. The doors okay, but off. okay. To your point though, I think defensively they were in game in the game, and then Bubba Bolden got that targeting call and release, and it was really kind of a done deal. He's your best player on the field. It's a different kind of energy when your best player is out there. It 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 rubbed things differently. I'm I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing with you that losing Bubba Bolden was a big big blow, and that penalty coming when it did definitely helped that drive become a scoring drive. However, however, regardless of how you get there, you know, I it, for anybody who is a, a Disney uh, or Marvel fan, right? If y'all watch the uh, the the show What If, right? The last episode was about Doctor Strange, and he kept trying to change a moment where they said it's immutable. Regardless of how you get here, regardless of what you change to get here, the final result will be what it is. It's the same thing for playing out of them. Regardless of how you get there, you're going to lose that game by three or four touchdowns. Okay. Unless you're having, unless you're one of the best teams in America and you're having one of the best games, everybody's having one of the best games of their lives, you can go ahead and book it. Three touchdowns. That's the minimum. Three touchdowns. That's what you're looking at. So that's that's tough. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it, the reality is, regardless of the, the health of Derek's knee, regardless of Derek, I mean, regardless of bubble targeting or not, regardless of losing all those defensive linemen to the NFL. Regardless of of uh, Miami's receivers playing underwhelming football, which they've been doing for some time now, which I've told everybody, their wide receivers are very underwhelming. Their backs are mediocre. Regardless of all that, Alabama was going to win this game by a lot. The tide was going to roll, and they did. They absolutely did. Another team that two teams that we can mention, not spend too much time on, but certainly at the bottom tier of the Coastal Duke losing to Charlotte, the 49ers, 31 to 28. And that was the first time Charlotte had beat a power five program in school history. Coach Healy Mm -hmm. is one that we have to maybe keep our eyes on when it comes to these next round of hires, because certainly people are going to move on. There was some talk that you could go to Duke. And to me, it's like, oh, he's a little above Duke, you know, level. But this is probably 
probably the Coach Cutcliffe retirement tour. I'm not going to hold y'all. I love Coach to death, but I think that it's certainly something that he, as much as we want to say, the time, the situation, how football is played today, how the game is run today may have passed him, and that's cool. Sometimes you got to know when to hold him and fold him. Another game we want to highlight, Northern Illinois playing Georgia Tech, beating them 22-21. to Jeff Sims going out in the second quarter with an injury, coming back with the sling, so he was unable to return. A lot of hype built around Jeff Sims this season. Jameer Gibbs, another guy that we thought was going to go off, had a little you know shaky game for sure, but you don't put Northern Illinois in the conversation. You don't give them a chance to win. Coach Collins definitely had to answer for why you even – had a close one, let alone a loss to a Northern, Northern Illinois team who, as you had talked about with the group chat all week, had not won, what, one to two games in the MAC yeah. all year last yeah. season? Yeah, they won They won one game in the MAC last year. Let me tell you what yeah. Georgia Tech did, okay? Georgia Tech is a lot like, uh, you know, there, there's a, a common thread amongst Georgia Tech and the Detroit Lions, and that's Calvin Johnson. Let me tell you why uh, both of those teams did the same thing in, in some regard, okay? Mm-hmm. If you're going better, then you've been in program history, right? Georgia Tech went to an ACC championship game and they were around seven, maybe eight wins, good year, get up to nine wins with that triple option. Mm-hmm. And everybody said, oh, it's a high school offense. It's a high school law. Oh, we're tired of the high school offense. No, now you're seeing a high school offense. That's what mm. you're seeing now. The triple option is it's not exciting. It's been around for forever and a day. It's effective. It is. You cannot all the time. <laughs> you cannot properly prepare for that. You cannot properly prepare for that in four to five days. You can't. You can't. So with that being said, I'm looking at this team and I'm 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 very simply saying this is why I say. We're going to celebrate the teams that beat bad teams because that's part of the gig. That's part of the gig. You got to beat bad teams. Georgia Tech failed to do so. Duke failed to do so. And granted, they're both bad teams in their own right, but still, bad power five is supposed to tip the scales a little heavier than bad group of five. That's and fair. They didn't. And they yeah. didn't. And, and granted, Charlotte's not a bad team. Charlotte's not a bad team, but still, you're, you're power five. You're supposed to do what you – you got to do what you're supposed to do there. So, I mean, Cutcliffe, hey, more power to you. You know, you're taking your shirt off and and everybody's talking about how Jacks are looking all that. And, and that's cute and all, but you still got to go out there and, and win some football games. You still got to coach a winner. Jeff Collins, you're moving the team away from the high school offense. Well, show and prove, big dog. Show and prove. You, you can't – I mean, you know, and I understand he's fairly new as well, but – at what point, at what point do you, you know, like I said, the Lions looked the prize horse in the mouth with Jim Caldwell. And we said, oh, he's so bad and we can do better. And boom, Patricia. Georgia Tech looked the prize horse in the mouth with, uh, I want to say it was Johnson. Oh, the offense is ugly. Oh, we can't recruit the best talent because the awful. Boom, Collins. You get what you get. Yeah, I agree there, but I also think that it spoke more to what Davo Sweeney said back when we were talking about expansion and playoffs. 
12 teams are not good enough. And if you told me that we would have arguments and conversation for 12 teams that could compete with Alabama, we would be wasting our time. So I think that showed, you know, the power five losing to some of these G5 schools. It just speaks to more and more about how it really is a lot. The tier of dropping off is so great nowadays that it's almost laughable as why we try and make it you know, a fair playing field. I mean, to me, yes, the playoff would be the same situation it is in FCS where North Dakota State wins it basically every year, right? But again, if you're saying, oh, we shouldn't expand it because of competition with Alabama, with just the four teams, the average margin of victory last year for Alabama, 17 and 28, you put those together, you get 45. So on average, they won the games by about 22 and a half. I mean, it it doesn't matter how many you have in the playoff. It doesn't matter if you don't have a playoff. If that's what Alabama is doing, if that's how prolifically they're rolling at the moment, I mean, it's it's nothing you can really say for, well, we should abolish the playoff. Okay, good. They're going to beat the other team in the BCS championship by 30. We'll expand the playoff. Okay, they'll get a bye week, and then they'll beat the next two teams by 30. I mean, it's, it's at the moment, that's just where we are in college football. And um, for all the people who said they didn't watch women's basketball because Connecticut was whooping the wheels off everybody for 100 games straight, 100 games in women's basketball was basically two and a half seasons. We've seen this out of Alabama for how long? A good minute. An absolute good minute here. Well, we are going to round out the show talking about Virginia Tech and Carolina by also mentioning one of the best games of the weekend. According to Coach, according to Coach, according to Kenton, he's going to share that with us here in a moment. But did you know that Bilt Bar has nine delicious flavors? When you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know the Bilt Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. Between peanut butter, brownie, mint, brownie, raspberry, cherry, and more, there's something truly for everyone. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine. Most of the flavors have 17 to 18 grams of protein, between 130 to 180 calories, and only 45 grams of sugar. So not only are Bilt Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Order today and get that raspberry mint brownie or whatever you like. Go to BiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's a LOCK15 for 15% off at BiltBar.com. Get all the latest odds, props, and contest information, including online's half million dollar NFL mega contest in the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest open now at bet online head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your hundred percent welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day, super promo. You will make a bet on the Thursday night season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your rager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only with signing up and using promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is your online sportsbook experts. Finishing up the show here, talking about the Coastal Games and didn't want to not mention Virginia Tech, who got the big win on Friday night against Carolina in Lane Stadium. Certainly held it down. A lot of question marks going into who was going to be sitting atop of the Coastal. Too much hype given, in my opinion, to Carolina. And certainly Virginia Tech was ready to mellow them out, and they did just that. The run game from Burmeister and company was 
one to really just, you know, let's get excited about. But then Coach Fuente certainly with some play calling made it a Carolina opportunity to get back into the game. Ken gives your immediate quick thoughts here. You know, it's not often that uh, I, I gloat in being right. I'm a liar. I do it often. But with that being said, um, this I, I told everybody, I said, I don't, I don't know why y'all believe in Sam Holland is what he is not this dynamic playmaker that regardless of what you put around him, what he does, everything is going to be okay. He's not that guy. Okay. Wait, I don't think Sam Howell had a bad game. I think his playmakers and I think his offensive line had a terrible game. I I don't think he he did did great, but I'm I'm just saying to say he's not a playmaker. I think that's a little excessive. I didn't say he was a, wasn't a playmaker. I said, he's not the guy that no matter what you put around him, he's going to be okay. I think you just they, said he, he was a pro. You said he wasn't a prolific playmaker. Yes, a prolific playmaker at the level of no matter what you put around him, he'll be all right. He's not that. He's not that. There were I've seen maybe four guys in all of my life that I've seen in person where I'm like, oh, it doesn't matter what's going on. He's gonna make his plays. Mm-hmm. He's gonna make his plays. Okay. Only two of them were quarterbacks. One was Lamar Jackson, one was Deshaun Watson. Because to me, if you're a quarterback, you need everybody to do their job right or else you have to be an outstanding – I'm sorry, De'Aaron King was another one, so three. As far as ACC players go, I've only seen four and three of them were quarterbacks. With that being said, um, he's not in that caliber. And with that being said, um, this game was a surprise to me because I didn't know that Georgia Tech was laying like – I'm sorry, Virginia Tech – was laying like that defensively, I mean, I was I was shocked. I was shocked. But also, let it be known that I was also right about Virginia Tech's offense. I said Braxton Burmeister can't throw the ball to save his life. He had one deep ball to Trey Turner, and that was it. That was pretty much it. Everything else was within 15 to 20 yards of the line of scrimmage. Everything else. So, I mean, and it wasn't even all that precise in that area. So, uh, the fact of the matter is, you know, I if I I don't like week one overreactions, but if I'm a Carolina fan, I'm pushing a panic button right now because really? Virginia Tech did not to me Virginia Tech did not do anything that they don't have the horses in the stable to overpower you or overwhelm you. They don't have that. They did not have the type of strategy. To where it's just like, hold on, wait, we haven't seen this before. They're going to hurry up. They're throwing three, four, five different formations per drive at you. You don't know what's coming. They didn't do that. And uh, uh, Fuente did everything he could to give that thing away at the end. And North well, Carolina I think still it, couldn't do it. Sure, but I think it was a co- – to me – I think it was a coaching issue. I think they got outcoached because, like you said, it was ABC 1-2-3, and yet somehow, some way, Carolina had nothing for them. They had no way to respond. I think it goes back to when you're getting ready for the season. Why can you still not tackle? Why can you not wrap people up? That Missing tackles is unacceptable. I don't care game one, game 12. You should not be missing tackles the way that they were missing it. Why are you running around on the field with your head, with your head cut off, acting like you don't know your play or you can't make your play? Like, to me, that was just some basic fundamental things that makes for a long Sunday and Monday for the group, and it should. Because if you can't get the basics down, how the hell are we supposed to be telling you that you're going to be sit atop of the Coastal? 
What Kool-Aid were you sipping and why do you always have to get humbled for you to now be hungry? Carolina always has to drop out of the top 25 to feel like they have a chip on their shoulder. Every time someone tells them they're good about themselves, they feel it way too much and they always suck. Immediately, almost immediately after. It's, it's tale as old as time. And I think for anyone who covers Carolina, anyone who covers ACC, anyone who covers this triad of football, you knew what was what time it was. You, I mean, I don't think anybody who really is in the weeds of this was surprised. I, I agree with you to an extent. But also, again, I, I don't know why people saw how much Carolina was losing and was like, oh, they'll be fine. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that – I think that – I think Sam Howell's good. I think he's pretty good. I don't think that he's – you can throw me in with uh, um, whoever at wide receiver, I'll be fine. You can throw me in with an offensive line that couldn't block nobody on Twitter, and I'll be okay. He, he, he's – there's not that. Fine. And that's right exceptional. And that's, not, and, and that's not a knock against Sam. Because no. a lot of people take that as, oh, that's me hating Sam. Sam is a good player. There is, you're generational if you're – no matter who you, who I throw you around, you're going to be okay. As but, much as I'm going to let J.J. talk about UNC fully around tomorrow, I do want to harp on the fact that Virginia Tech's front line did their job. They definitely protected yeah. Burmeister and gave him opportunity, and having that senior leadership was there. As much as we talk about Carolina, there's nobody in the trenches that jumps off the page. There's, I mean, Jeremiah Gimel is great, cool. You know, Azudu is great on the offensive line, great. But there's nobody that you, as we're going into the season, that we're like, okay, the, these big boys are going to hold it down. And so I think that's ultimately why that was Carolina's undoing. But to wrap up the show here, I would love to know, Ken, what was your favorite game of the weekend? Um, you know, it it's it's close for me. It's close for me, but I'm going to give it to uh, the obvious choice in the Florida State Notre Dame game. Um, I, I don't like the, the, uh, Jordan Travis erasure that is happening, that people are acting like Jordan Travis was just completely abysmal. And he was the reason they were trailing and McKenzie Milton comes in because of the helmet play and everything goes right. Cause I mean, all in all, look at Jordan Travis's results and look at McKenzie Milton's. I mean, what are we like? And you could say all day long, well, the kicker missed the kick. Okay, how many yards did they gain? Why did he have to go out there and kick? Literally three plays into overtime. So, uh, but that was a, a really, really good game. Um, maybe don't call for your for the execution of your players next time. Uh, or if you're going to quote a quote that's surrounding something as controversial as execution, maybe get it right. Maybe get it right. Um, and uh, Notre Dame played their same brand of football, just very physical. Cone was very good. Cone was very good in this game. I mean, other than his only interception came on a Hail Mary. Uh, other than that, he was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. Yeah. And that's what I mean when I look at that game and I say, this is not a game of people playing poorly. This is a game of every, this is a game, not a game where the high, the scores are high because defense are playing poorly. If you look at some of the plays that Hamilton made, right? People look at Jordan Travis's interceptions and say, oh, look at his interception. If you watch those interceptions from Hamilton, those are plays that if Jordan Travis makes that play, makes that same pass every week, every week, he gets maybe for the rest of the season, three interceptions, maybe. You do not see safeties 
reading a play, running from one hash to the other, running from outside the hash to the other, uh, to the numbers, basically the sideline to make an interception. You don't see that. Jordan Travis didn't make a bad read. The, the defender just made a NFL, Pro Bowl, possibly Hall of Fame caliber play. And you live and with that's that. great. But we only have two nice things we can say about Notre Dame because they are not in our conference. All right, great. I mean, listen, I've, I've given them my nice, <laughs> I've given them my nice things. I told them physical cone and uh, and the safety, so I gave them three. But uh, Florida State is this is is Florida State going to be consistently this, or is this their one off? Because we remember their one off last year was against the Tar Heel. They had that one game where they showed up and everybody was great, and then all of a sudden. They faded back into oblivion immediately after. So, you know, is is this team, this team, are they good or is this a, a you know, a good game? Enjoy your game, a little game, I guess. Well, we'll have a lot to talk about throughout the week. Thank you so much, Kenton Gibbs, for joining us again. If you guys have not seen, you can follow him at TGIF underscore Kenton. Folks, can you, Kenton, can you remind them where they can find your podcast? Uh, you can find me at LO underscore Wolfpack on Twitter. Uh, at Locked On Wolfpack, wherever you're listening to this podcast right here. It's it's going to be a great time. Uh, we, we've got a lot to discuss going forward because two teams that we play com- going, coming up here played each other in Louisiana Tech and Mississippi State. So I have Brett Freelander on. I have uh, some other guests on, and we'll, we'll have a good old time before uh, next Saturday's kickoff. No doubt. And if you guys are betting throughout the season, it doesn't have to be a guessing game. Listen to the new Locked on Beds podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, and wrong team favorite picks. And Lee Sterling's Lock of the Day. Follow the Locked on Beds podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get podcasts. For Candace Cooper and Ken Gibbs, we hope you have a great rest of your week. And until next time.